today's episode of The Future, we're going to follow up on our conversation with Jeanette Liao about being Asian American and wanting to go into the creative field. I think this is a much broader conversation we're going to have, and we're going to dive deeper into that. If you haven't done so, go and listen to that conversation first. So when I was editing this podcast, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me was somebody asked about the experience of being Asian American in a creative field. And one of the things that Jeanette talked about that I found really interesting was this sort of idea that her parents or Asian American parents in general would kind of say, you know, oh, you want to get into a creative field? Like that's that's a that's a good hobby. Like that's something that you can do on the weekends. That's like patronizing, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was kind of, you know, my experience as well um as as a as a white American um, you know, my, my parents had a similar uh, attitude towards me wanting to get into the arts, even after my brother, who's older than me, had gotten into the arts and had been kind of successful, you know, on his, on his first outing. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear your experiences with that. And do you think that is specifically an, an Asian American attitude, or do you think it's uh, more of just a general parental wanting safety and security for your kids? That's a really good question. I thought in in, in our conversation with Jeanette, I, I felt like we were bonding on this thing because a lot of uh, my friends, cousins that are Asians, they, they've already eliminated this whole field as a possible option to pursue in life. I'm not saying this is an exclusive Asian-American experience. It's not, obviously. There are plenty of people who grow up with parents who don't understand what the arts are, or what design is, and that it's a viable career, mostly because I think there's not been a lot of exposure to it. And I think that's probably what's driving this. And And it's hard to kind of let your children go in a path where... This, the future seems very uncertain. And I, I, I don't begrudge any parent that wants that for their kids, obviously. They're basing those decisions and that information on things that were true 20, 30, 40 years ago. Look at how much has changed in terms of our life and society because of the innovations that have happened in technology. Like we no longer call cabs. We ride an Uber or Lyft. We stay in the homes of complete strangers through an app called Airbnb. And a company, an upstart like Netflix, is going to displace a lot of traditional media companies. That's pretty incredible. And that kind of rate of change is difficult for a lot of people to process. And so you tend to go with what you know. And what you know is doctors do really well. Lawyers do really well. People in real estate do really well. And you look at the people who are pillars in your community, second, third uh, generations of people who have a lot of wealth, they're in investment banking or they're hedge fund managers. You know, that's that's the path. And they, they don't want you to suffer. I think convincing your parent, like if somebody from our audience pulled me inside, Chris, please help me. I, I need help in talking to my parents so that I can pursue my dream. I, I, I think I would be able to help them. For And my, my approach would be a little bit different. My approach would be to say, if we look backwards, we can see what's happening and it's very clear to us, and we can connect those dots, as Steve Jobs would say. But when we turn around and look to the future, we can see that already the way that we move through our society, and you can chart every single thing that's changed in the last 10 years, not even the last 20 years, and say that it's a little bit unpredictable. 
But what we do know is that software is eating the world. Everything that was being done uh, from a human-to-human interaction is being replaced by computers, software, artificial intelligence, and robots. And what I can say is then the the problems that we're going to be facing are going to become more challenging and complicated, and we need creative thinkers to solve those problems. There's a lot of people like Daniel Pink, uh, a, a creative mind, who writes about this kind of stuff. Chris is talking about Daniel Pink's book and TED Talk, A Whole New Mind. Here's an excerpt from that talk. The left brain abilities are necessary but no longer sufficient. The right brain abilities have become the first among equals. Now, in that kind of setting, you need to look very hard at what you're doing and ask yourself these three questions. These three questions. Can someone overseas do it cheaper? Can a computer do it faster? And is what you're selling in demand in an age of abundance? That is, is what you're selling have significance? That's the whole ball game right here, folks. That's the whole ball game right here. Now, what doesn't pass this test? Certain kinds of accounting, certain kinds of financial analysis, certain kinds of law, certain kinds of things our parents told us to do. What does pass this test? Designers, artists, nurses, teachers, inventors, entrepreneurs, people who are multifaceted, those are the abilities that are really going to matter the most. What matters, we tend to obsess over high-tech abilities, but you know, and I'm old enough to remember when people on the resume would put that they had computer skills, okay? It seems kind of silly now. I've got a nine-year-old daughter with computer skills, okay? Don't tell me about computer skills. What matters more than these high-tech abilities are abilities that are high-concept and high-touch, hard to outsource, hard to automate, and that deliver significance. Daniel Pink says, you know, we need to give people space, autonomy, and the tools that they need to solve these kinds of problems that are going to be coming up. Things like, you know, world hunger, uh, vaccinations or cures for certain diseases. We need that. And so I, I, I don't necessarily want to narrow the box of creativity to making a logo or coming up with a cool package or designing a killer website. It's just that idea of being creative and, and people shutting that down. I, I can't tell you how many parents that I, I meet in, in the community that which I live which I'm blessed to be part of a pretty affluent community in that they say like, oh, I'm not the creative one. I have no creativity. And that saddens me a little bit that they've already done that to themselves to say, I'm not capable of doing those things. And I think that's totally untrue. Give me enough time to sit with a person who's willing to do this and they can become really creative. And here's evidence of that. Um, George W. Bush, his oil paintings are pretty amazing. And you would think that guy, really? And the first drawings he did were not that good. And the beginning and early middle parts of his painting arc aren't that good. But now he paints like an illustrator. Have you seen these things? I have not seen the latest ones. I saw, I saw some of the early stuff yeah. when it kind of first came right. out. Right. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, he's got a new hobby. And it was really interesting. And when asked on a, on a TV show, why did you think you could paint? He said, well, Winston Churchill took a painting. And if that guy can do it, I can do it. And that was all it took. And sometimes people like Jeanette are going to give people permission that they too can do it. And that's what we need to see. We need to see more examples of a diverse group of people. I don't care if you're um, Asian, if you're Indian, if you're Caucasian, if you're third, fifth generation, if you are if you came off on um, the Mayflower. It's just we need more examples of creative people doing really well. Yeah. And that way it will encourage parents to let their kids do what they need to do and to support that.
it's interesting because when you brought up George W. Bush, for some reason, uh, Henry Darger popped into my mind. I don't know who that is. Henry Darger is, he's deceased now, Mm -hmm. but he was a janitor who had a lower than average IQ, lived in Chicago, um, lived in a small apartment, like basically kind of like underneath the stairs Mm. in in an apartment building. And uh, when he passed away, he, he didn't really have any friends. He was, you know, kind of a hermit. Nobody really knew him, you know, very separated, sort of separated from his society, except for his job as a janitor at one of the local schools. When they, when he passed away and they uh, went into his apartment to clean it out, they found this massive, massive amount of art in it and uh, a book that went along with this art that told the story of all the all the characters that he had drawn and painted in all these things and the book is some unbelievable amount of pages i don't remember the exact amount right now but you sit there and wonder like what would have happened like the there there was like documentaries made about this guy he made the news and he's like hailed as this like this his stuff is hailed as like masterworks basically. Mm -hmm. And you wonder what would have happened if that guy would have had some sort of encouragement or, you know, support, support or, you know, a a door, a a door to open a venue for him to exist in, you know, before he passed away. Right. You know, all this talent was being bottled up inside and he only shared it with himself. Yeah. And it's a sad, tragic story. And that's the thing that it's like, you know, um, okay, so if we're talking about the future, I'm going to bring up Elon Musk, who talks about how in 30 years, uh, there's going to be massive unemployment, because robots and software are going to replace all the things that we do. And he's not saying that is a dark tale, but he's saying that that the things that we do today just to survive the menial tasks, they'll be replaced by more efficient things that will leave you with you know, this big question, like, what do you want to do with your life? There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. Okay. What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social yes. challenge. Um, and I think, ultimately, we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic Un- income. Universal basic income. I think it's going to be necessary. So it means that unemployed people will be paid across the globe. Yeah. Because there is no job. Machine, robot is taking over. Um, that, that's simply the, the, and I want to be clear that these, these are not uh, things that I think, that I wish would happen. These are think, simply things that I think probably will happen. Um, and since, and if, they, if, if, if my assessment is correct and they probably will happen, then we need to say, what are we going to do about it? And I think some kind of a universal basic income is going to be necessary. Um, now, the output, the output of goods and services will be extremely high. Um, so with automation, um, there will, there will come abundance. Um, there will be, uh, almost everything will get very cheap. Um, the, uh, it's, so it's, it, uh, I think the, the biggest, I think we'll just end up doing uh, universal basic income, it's going to be necessary. Um, the, the, the harder challenge, much harder challenge is how do people then have meaning? 
Like a lot of people, they derive their meaning from their employment. So if you don't have, if, if you're not needed, if there's not a need for your labor, how do you, what's the meaning? Do you, do you have meaning? Do you feel useless? These are much, that's a much harder problem to deal with. So we're talking about a few short years away. And so if we want to program our children to think about that, let's allow them to pursue the thing that makes them the happiest. And I think when you do that, wonderful things happen. You live a more fulfilled life. And I think you can actually do really well and you'll prosper. And if you won't, you might not become filthy rich, but you live a rich life. And I think that's more important. And I think that's what Jeanette was talking about in that that seemed to be more of an American concept than it was an Asian-American concept. The, the immigrant mentality, which is, I sacrificed so much for you to be here. I don't squander what I've given up. Yeah. And that's the fear. And so oftentimes I do challenge people like in the audience when they're asking me this question. I said, have your mom and dad call me. They can call me and ask me any questions and I will tell them. If it's about the career, the challenges ahead, everything, I'll give them the straight answer. The Future is hosted by me, Chris Doe. The show is edited by Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn for composing our theme song. To subscribe to The Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. While you're there, do us a solid and leave us a review. Your comments will help guide future programming, and hey, it'll help us with our rankings. Can't get enough content? You're in luck. We have over 150 episodes on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash the future is here. Make sure you don't miss out on upcoming events, workshops, live broadcasts, and webinars by signing up for our newsletter. Go to our site, thefuture.com, and click on the email sign up button. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the future is here. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode.